I'm on to you. I, I'm going to be a little more careful now in the future with my comments. I'm just trying to hook in some people with You'll some salacious You'll never believe his stuff. shocking first wish. I'm like, no, no. Sing like Sinatra, <laughs> hit like Aaron Judge, look like The Rock. Those are my three wishes when I get to the G. <laughs> really? Number two is hit, hit like Aaron Judge at your age? You can't go back and be a Major League Baseball player. I'll be 44 years like, old hitting 61 over Seems like a wasted wish by you. <laughs> Rated R for Reiner, this godfather of rom-coms answers the age-old question, has my wife been faking it the whole time? The answer, yes, yes, oh God, yes. That's from Chris Collins of MLB Network. This is something ridiculous. My buddy Collins, who's a great producer, goes, I gotta, I have an idea. Why don't I give a blurb? I'm like, what? He goes, I want to do a blurb sometime. I go, sure. So I said, I've got one Harry Met Sally coming up. He sent me the blurb. He's not a registered film critic, but he is my friend. And that's Dude. a pretty good blurb, right? That's a good blurb. You sent me that. And you sent me just his name. So I'm like, I got to find, I want to credit this guy. So I was like, Chris Collins, movie review. I couldn't find anybody on the internet. I was like, I guess it's just some guy named Chris Collins. I couldn't give it away and say, MLB never because he knows it's a joke, but it's a great blurb. I don't like Collins. Uh, that is our old movie this week, When Harry Met Sally, 33rd anniversary. I'm mainly doing it out of spite. Because if you recall, I don't know the conversation, but Cody and I were talking about Billy Crystal. And I said, him being a romantic man, you know, come on, dude, give me a break. Billy Crystal's a romantic guy. I go, when Harry Met Sally is one of the biggest romantic comedies of all time. You go, come on. So I did it specifically for that reason. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was one part of Thermometer from the Train that you were like, oh, as if he's some kind of hunk. And I'm like, don't do this. Good it's anytime I see Billy Crystal, I'm like, I can't imagine him as a leading role. I see him as like the comedic outlet for a movie, but I don't see him as like the leading heartthrob. Okay, the good news is Cody watched it, so I cannot wait for his feedback on Billy Crystal leading man, uh, the very pretty and cute Meg Ryan, Rob Reiner, of course, directing. Rob Reiner, former guest on Cinephile. So we'll get to that famous scene, of course, where she fakes it. But I I asked Rob Reiner about it. This was like, I don't know, October of 2017 when I interviewed him. He was a great guy. So we'll play that clip for those who obviously have not heard that podcast. By the way, you can always go back and check any of those old episodes of Cinephile, mm -hmm. over 240 at this point, something like that. But Rob Reiner was great. Uh, the new this week, the movies are going to start to come. The show right now is on 10-part series on Hulu. That stars Steve Carell. It's called The Patient. So that's what we're doing right now. Three episodes so far into a 10-part series. And our wild card, which is what we're going to start with, is actually the Emmys, which were last night. Um, so, of course, taping this on a Tuesday. Uh, Monday Night Football, I want to see Buck and Aikman debut, Russell Wilson, Seattle. I said, I got to watch the Emmys. Cody did the smart thing. He was watching a little bit of both things. So lots of good stuff here coming up. Before we dive in, I do want to talk a little more about broadcast news. My eldest boy, Yusuf, is now taking a broadcasting course. So he, he's in his first year. How old 14, is he? First year of high school. But I'm okay. with you. That, that seems young. I didn't take a broadcasting course until I was in college, until I was actually in broadcasting. Um, so the great high school we have in Northern Islands. And the teacher said, does anyone here have any affiliation to broadcasting? He goes, my dad's on TV. He's like, what? He's like, oh my God, that's I was hoping one of my students would have somebody who has an affiliation to broadcasting. So, so now you have to go talk? Yeah, so I, teacher, probably you got to go parent day exactly. or something? I, 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 didn't, I didn't mess as a teacher yet. I told you, so I said, listen, once baseball's over in November, I will come. I will happily take a day. But I was thinking, like, what am I going to do? Like, I want to make something fun, something interesting. And I was actually thinking about broadcast news, which is one of the two great bits of advice that were in that movie that I forgot to mention last week's episode. One is when you sit down. And this to this day exists. I remember beginning to speak. I, I, I want to say what it was. It might have been like Neil Everett. They go, hey, make sure you sit in your jacket, right? Broadcast news. When you sit down, the, the lapel hmm. of your jacket, make sure you sit on the jacket and it gives you a better crease in the jacket. Really? Yeah, so you, 
That is something that people that don't do TV have no clue. That's it's interesting. It's a very good nugget. I remember watching broadcast news going, oh my God, that's right. Because I've seen broadcast, they literally sit on the back of the jacket just to give you that crease. Because I would think it'd be the opposite. Right. Don't wow. your suit. Are you kidding me? No, no, that gives you that crease. Uh, and the other great bit of advice is William Hurt's telling Albert Brooks for his big moment there, of course, when he has the big sweating incident. <laughs> I wish I was one of them. And he says, don't forget, you're on TV for a reason. When you're talking, don't just speak. You're narrating. Make sure you sell it. He goes, if you ever feel yourself talking and reading, stop, sell it. You know, that's what you're doing here. And I'm like, it's, it's actually a great bit of advice. So I, I look forward to passing that on to the students at Northern Highlands. Any- <laughs> a bunch of 11-year-olds. No, I'm kidding, 14, but still. Make sure like- you sell it, damn it. Now listen to what I'm trying to tell you here. There's also um, some other really funny lines in there. I, I did some research also on broadcast news. Jack Nicholson not credited for his role, which I obviously knew because you don't know he's in the movie until you see it, but also not paid for the role. He won an Academy Award for Terms of Endearment, which was his previous collaboration with James L. Brooks, the writer and director. So he says, listen, I'll be in your next movie, and guess what? You don't have to pay me. We won't even tell anybody I'm in it, but I'll just do it because, buddy, you got me an Oscar. So I'm like, he's not in the movie a whole lot, but I thought that was kind of a, a cool touch by him, the fact that he was willing to do the role for free. He's also uh, memorable in the movie. And also, I mean, there's a couple of really good quotes here. I did have to mention the Holly Hunter character has a great one. I'm going to have to. Paul Moore says to her, It must be nice to always believe you know better, to always think you're the smartest person in the room. And she goes, No, it's awful. (laughs) Great exchange for that movie. Once again, check out Broadcast News. My buddy Jason Robbins was telling me, He goes, Oh, I love Albert Brooks. I love uh, Defending Your Life, which we have done. I don't know if you and me did it, but me and Joe definitely did Defending Your Life. Uh, Lost in America is another great Albert Brooks movie. Maybe we'll do that at another point in time. All right. Is your friend the CEO of DraftKings? No. Isn't that the CEO Jason of DraftKings Robbins? name? Is that the CEO of DraftKings name? <laughs> Jason Robbins, um, the, the CEO Jay, of DraftKings. He lives in Hohokus, the town in which I reside. His son Parker and Yusuf are friends. He is an event planner. I do not believe he's the CEO of DraftKings. Something tells me slightly less successful Jason Robbins. Not that it's no, it's You're no. You're him now. <laughs> hey, it's hey, I mean, everybody's below Jason Robbins of DraftKings. I mean, well, speaking of uh, high up people, I'm going to meet with Bimmel this week. He's not quite the boss, but he's the COO, number two in command. And I, he's the boss. He's the boss, right? Like, he's pretty important. So I, we were going to have lunch this week, and he goes, oh, I can't do lunch. I got to go meet with Apple. I said, oh, excuse me. Someone's got a meeting with Apple. Okay, great. But oh, he said, how about a wow. breakfast on a Thursday? Go, Whatever it takes. I just want to check in. I just want to hear you love me and Cody. The podcast is great. I have no agenda. And I might sell you in a couple of pods, maybe. How about a tennis podcast, me and Marty Fish? But if you're not interested, that's okay. We'll enjoy the eggs together. Everything will be fine. So meeting with Bimmel. Bimmel and Skipper love a breakfast meeting. A few times, like if I've ever, like, in, as you can probably imagine, not very often am I getting the call to have meetings with those two. In fairness, but I, I the, meeting, the meetings. So in fairness to you, I trust me, I'm the one going out of my way. The meetings that I have had with them, they always they like a breakfast, which I, I kind of I get it. You get a meeting out of the day, out of the way early, you still get your day. It's like you know, I, it's like a better than a 1 p.m. meeting. You said that. The last time I saw Skipper was a year ago. It was in the summer in the city, and it was a breakfast. I'm telling you, he was like a these high ups, these important people. They, they, I, I like, a, I do like a good meeting breakfast. Why eat breakfast alone when you could meet? Makes sense for Skipper because he's from the South. I feel like they, they prioritize breakfast. I'm, I don't know. I'm surprised that Bimmel's a breakfast guy. That's- I think Bimmel is just being affected by Skipper. He sees it's Skipper's yes. move. He's like, this guy's made it in this yes. industry. I'm going to steal that, that from him. That's 100% what it is. We figured it out. I'm going to tell Bimmel. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Uh, we're, me and Cody are on to you. Um, thanks once again to Claire Atkins. She was great. Lots of good feedback. Up in the air with Claire. We'll yeah. have her back definitely more often as the movies come out more this fall. Speaking of more fall movies, the Marilyn Monroe biopic with Anna Diarmas. This is out of control. As my Tom, uh, my friend Tom Monfaletto texted me, We're, they're like timing the standing ovations. Remember we talked previously about the whale getting a six-minute standing ovation. Well, this new yeah. film got a 14-minute standing ovation. At what point is the standing ovation rendered moot? 
do you really need 14 <laughs> minutes of a standing ovation just to say, I love you, you're amazing, you're incredible. Like, I know all actors are vain and egotistical. We need the love and rapture, but 14 minutes? After four minutes, I'm uncomfortable and I'm like angry at people. Like, please stop. I'm going to leave. I'm just going to leave if you guys don't sit down. You go to concerts. <laughs> I know Mike Ryan, a big music guy. Is there any musician you'd go, I got to give this guy a 14 minute standing ovation? No way. I don't like concert standing ovations at the end because like, you know, I saw your set list. You're coming back out here. I don't have to clap at all. And you're going to come out for your encore. You understand? Like, they, I, like it's like it's not an emotional thing anymore. When you when I see your set list, you have these three your biggest three hits. You haven't Pearl played hasn't yet. Played alive okay? yet. What a surprise! They're gonna do it for the encore. Everybody could start. Everyone could start booing you right now, and you're still coming out here to play these songs. Like, I just it's such a fake. Hey, I'm leaving. Hey, I'm leaving. Even though I'm, I'm I've come back every single time I've ever done a concert. But hey, I'm leaving. Bye. And then it's like, oh, here we're back. And then they walk out like this big like we're back. It's like, just for you guys. It's like, no, not when just for you. you go to a stadium and they start seeing on the Jumbotron the fan meter and the meter starts going up, the noise. You go, this yes. is all BS. It's the same thing. They think the louder you are, are the you more the guy? are going to come out. You're like, guys, no one make noise. I'm telling you, it's going to go yeah, up regardless. Everyone shut up. The 500 level is winning. No, they're not. They have the worst tickets. They're just to make them feel good. Like, that's what yeah. happens. <laughs> We've also got, um, I, I, I should know this at this point, working with Cody, that if ever I just kind of throw a throwaway line, like that's going to become the thing. So like I was hoping sob wishes for Jeannie, but then right in the write-up was you'll never believe Adnan's and in capitals shocking first wish. And I got that. It's trying to get me in trouble here that I want to bone Kim Kardashian. I go, no, I'm not going to. So if I actually have three wishes, I want to make this clear. I would like to sing like Sinatra. I want to hit like Aaron Judge and I want to look like The Rock. So those are my actual three wishes. It was not just have Kim Kardashian's big ass in my face. Did you did you get any comment? I have to admit, I, I had a little moment of I, should I text Adnan this? I don't want him to like poo-poo no, it, but I, I think his... I was fine with it, but I, I saw it. I wife to get mad. I, I, right away. I go, God, I got to be careful with these guys. I got any, anything is... I feel like... I feel like you and I are similar in that we like you know we're doing we're doing show here like our wives aren't going to take something we say and like I felt pretty safe about even if that got back to your wife she would know that that was like you were obviously Correct. just like Tongue you know being hypothetical yeah. so she thankfully yeah. couldn't care less about the pod did not listen and none of her friends listened so it didn't get back to her but I I'm on to you I, I'm going to be a little more careful now in the future with my comments I'm just trying to hook in I'm just trying to hook in some people with you'll some never believe his stuff. shocking first wish I'm like no, no. sing like Sinatra hit like Aaron Judge, look like The Rock. Those are my three wishes when I get to the G. <laughs> really? Number two's hit, hit like Aaron Judge at your age? You can't go back and look, be a Major League Baseball player. I'll be 44 years like, 61 over Seems like a wasted wish by you. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, eh, I, guess, I want one athletic achievement in there, but I guess you're right. Maybe speed would be better. Like I'd be 44 years old in the Olympics, yeah. running like Usain Bolt. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's, let's, let's dive into some actual matters at hand here, which is the Emmy Awards first and foremost. And Here's the thing. People love to crap on everything. Do you think there was ever a time people didn't crap on award shows? Like, there was a time <laughs> that people unanimously agreed, back to our guy, Billy Crystal, that he did a great job hosting the Oscars. I feel like in that era, people said, yeah, this guy's great at hosting it. But now, every single time, anyone does anything, people crap on it. Now, maybe that's just social media. Maybe I'm just reading one aspect of things. It is. Right? Because I, I think people must have been shitting on Billy Crystal, too. Oh, he's terrible. I'm tired of this song and dancing. He sucks. So that, right. was, that, that was out there. We just didn't see the tweets. So I'll start on a positive note, because no matter what the Emmys, I'm like, everyone's going to say how much it sucked. I'm like, nah, I actually thought it was a pretty good show. And what I liked about it was Keenan Thompson. I think he's a very likable host. He's funny. I, as a host, am pro-host. I think you need 
hosts. Uh, his monologue was terrific. A couple of good shots at Netflix. Uh, he had a great shot. Certain shows are tough to watch, like Yellow Jackets, because it's on Showtime. And I knew one joke he telegraphed, but I already knew what it was, and I still thought it was funny. He goes, hey, there's Zendaya. And I already know and he's going to make a DiCaprio joke. He goes, there's Zendaya. She just celebrated her birthday. She's 26 years old, which is, unfortunately, a little young for the industry, but too old for Leonardo DiCaprio. Ba-dum, ba-dum. There you go. Now, yeah, and, that's, and that's exactly what my wife said. She goes, if Leo's there, then it's funnier. Like when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler rip on him, like, oh my God, his next date is going to be an embryo. Like, and they cut to a shot of him, then that's funny. But if he's not there, it's not as good. I'm like, yeah, but I, I still knew it was coming. But Keenan Thompson was good. The, the problem is this. The reasons to watch award shows is what? You want to see who wins, right? And you want to see the speeches. And they cut the speeches. So this year, I don't know what happened, but at least three people went up there. They look like that cartoon where your eyes are bulging out, like who framed Roger Rabbit? Because there must have been a giant clock. The pitch clock coming to Major League Baseball, they had a speech clock there. So when they walked up there, they'd go, oh my God, that's a big clock. At least people mentioned, they go, oh my God, that clock's running. So I think that clock, probably 15 seconds, no runners on. They had 15 seconds on the clock. People were like, oh my God, terrified. Now, one thing I like that they did is they had a lower third. That means uh, in the biz, there's a graphic which says Chris Cody would like to thank and there's like 30 people. So that way you don't have to list a whole bunch of names, which is a smart choice. And then in your actual speech, you might mention a few of those people, but you're covered. Like you, you've got the major sponsors or corporate people, your agent manager, et cetera. But, this, but now there's levels to this. But now you're like, oh, I'm just the scroll correct. guy. I didn't, I didn't get, get, the, a verbal didn't mention. get the actual I get, verbal mention. That's a good point. Like, if you're a significant other, you better get a verbal mention. Um, <laughs> but they cut this. That's all I am to you? A goddamn scroll? Huh? <laughs> just want to get me among 30 other names. But they made the speeches too short, and too often the winners were getting cut down, which led to an unforgettable moment. Jennifer Coolidge wins for the White Lotus, which did very well. Stifler's mom. Stifler's mom is how she is known as. Jennifer Coolidge wins, and in the middle of the speech, they're shutting her down. They're just like, no, that's it. And... I can't remember what the song was now, but she just started dancing. She was like, whatever, like, you can't cut me off. She starts trying to yell, right? Talk over it. And then they keep just playing the music. So then she just started like doing a dance. And then eventually three people are like, no, seriously, you have to leave the stage. So I'm like, you can't cut me yeah, off. Like, part of me is kind of like, I get the moment, like, no, I'm finishing my speech. It's my moment. But then it's also like, well, it is a little selfish. Like if we're playing the music and other people want to talk, we're going to go. But to the original point is they should have more time to talk. That, that is the bottom line. Like she said, you're cutting me off. Yeah, she, she, this is my fake yeah. Jennifer Coolidge. Oh You're cutting me she off. Said this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and they cut her off. But that happens. Um, how about my man Michael Keaton? We start the night off. Actually, we start the night off like this. My buddy Graham Larson, Ray Seahorn, significant other. He's one of the first people you see. He's sitting at the table. Better call Saul. So I text him immediately. I took a picture. He looks just like one of my favorite filmmakers, Paul Thomas Anderson. So I text him. I go, hey, look, P.T. Anderson. I go, let's go. And then 30 minutes later, Ray lost. I go, this is horse shit. I hope you have a good night. This is garbage. He texts me as soon as the show is over. He's like, oh, thanks, buddy. Don't worry. We're good. We're going to get after it. She'll win next year. I'm like, hmm, I have somebody at the Emmys. I actually know. That's pretty cool. Look at you. The opening number, though, was terrible. Like, this is the problem. Like, it goes back to Billy Crystal. He would do singing and dancing, which worked. But Keenan Thompson, this was awful. He did like a bunch of of electronic remixes of theme songs to Friends, The Brady Bunch, Game of Thrones, and Stranger Things. As USA Today wrote, it was weird, it was dull, and it was so unnecessary. He came out later with jokes at the expense of Netflix and Showtime, and that was a reminder a simple monologue would have sufficed. We don't need the song and dance number unless you are like Selena Gomez, and like, you know, you're a song. If you're Lynn manuel Miranda, okay, we'll do a song and dance number. But Keenan Thompson, monologue great, didn't care for that opening number. Anyways, my man Michael Keaton. How rare is this? And we don't have a researcher on the show, so somebody will have to tweet me and let me know. How rare is this? A guy pulls off the quadruple trick. Now, we know what an EGOT is, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. But what Michael Keaton has done with Dopesick, he won the Critics' Choice Award. He won the Emmy Award last night. 
He won the Golden Globe Award, and he won the SAG Award, Screen Actors Guild Award. I, I can't think of another actor who's won all four of those awards for one performance. Amazing. That's how great Michael Keaton is in Dope Sick. I would think that that's happened, I'm sure right? it's happened. That's wild. Someone will have to tweet me and look this up and tell me afterwards. But to get four for four, that's pretty rare, man, in today's day and age. So, and his speech was great. He went up there, he kind of took ribbed Oprah, like gave her a hug. He's like, what, do you got like 90 of these? He's like, yeah. And then did a speech talking about his family saying, you know, thanks for making me feel foolish. I grew up in the country in Pennsylvania, had a small TV like this. He said, I'm glad I've made a fool of myself over and over again. His actual best speech, I think, was the first time he won, because that was where he was the most emotional. He said, the reason I did Dope Sick, which is about the opioid crisis, is my nephew died of opioids. And he's like, so I want to say to Sean, he just started cracking up. He's like, I went to Sean and to my sister, I love you. That was it. The other speeches, now because he's won, it was like, all right, he got his emotion out of the way. Now he's like, I'm not going to mention Sean. I'm not going to mention my nephew. I'm just going to keep it straight. Hey, thanks for watching this. This is a cool night. Thank you so much. But Keaton, as my cousin was texting me, he's like, we got to get him an Oscar. He's 71 years old now. He's won all this other stuff for Dope Sick. Got to win my man an Oscar. Speaking of speeches, Cheryl Lee Ralph goes up there. One of the stars of ABC's breakout sitcom, Abbott Elementary. I've never seen this before. Been watching award shows for 30 years. She wins Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. She's visibly shocked and goes up there. She walked up on stage and started belting out in song Diana Reeves, Diane Reeves, excuse me, 1993 hit Endangered Species. Incredible. Like she just goes up and just starts singing, and the crowd just going berserk. I'm like, I don't know what song she's singing. I don't know what this show is. That's a pretty memorable moment, though. Genuine emotion, power of her singing voice. Cheryl Lee Ralph, Abbott Elementary, which I hear is, you know, it's like when you're watching sports, you say, that's the best player nobody talks about. Abbott Elementary is probably the best TV show nobody talks about enough. Well, they're talking about it now because she got her moment last night. I think they also won for best writing in a comedy series, which gets us to the disappointments. Of course, Ray losing, which is awful. Odenkirk loses, brutal. I was like, at least lose to Brian Cox or Jeremy Strong for succession. No, they lose the guy from the Squid Game. Congrats to Squid Game. I know it won best directing as well, which I knew it was going to win. I'm surprised. A little surprised it won best actor as well. Um, Bad night for Barry. Hater loses for directing. Henry Winkler loses supporting actor. Brutal. Loses to your boy Brett Goldstein, Ted Lasso. I'm like, he wins again? Although his speech was funny. He said, last time I cursed, so they had a bloop up part of my speech, and then he cursed again. Says, oh, I'm sorry, I'll make up for you next time. Whatever. I'm like, right, great. Sudeikis, by a mile, you knew was going to win. Garbage. You wanted Martin Short to win. I'm like, come on, Marty. Him and Steve Martin were amazing. <laughs> no. Him, they were awesome. Ted Lasso. I'm good oh, with Ted they Lasso. They came out with Selena Gomez. Uh, Martin Short had three great lines, and I'm like, Sudeikis wins. And then even worse than that, Sudeikis' speech was awful. He tried to pull. I didn't think I was going to win. I'm like, bro, everybody had you winning. Check DraftKings. You were the heavy favorite. Martin Short should have won. Was he high as a no, kite? It, was he high as a kite this time? time? Awful speech. He was kind of like, oh, I'm a little surprised I won. I'm a little taken aback. I just want to thank everybody, our cast, our crew. Uh, this is really special. I'm like, no, it's not. Your speech sucked. Your show's <laughs> overrated. I'm like, let's move on. Should have been Martin Short. <laughs> you haven't even no, watched I've seen it. Two episodes of the first season. That was enough. I go, not for me. It's okay. It's like Veep. I watched Veep. I'm like, it's amazing. I go, it's okay. I'm not going to watch any more of it. That's fine. <laughs> no, but Veep, Julia Lee. You don't like comedies. Julia, you don't like comedies. Curb should have won. It was nominated last night. Best comedy series. Doesn't win. Arrested Development, one of my favorite oh. shows. Will Arnett. Will Arnett was amazing. Thank you for the segue. Comedies I, know, I love. Arrested Development is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Last night, great moment. Will Arnett comes out. Close friends with Jimmy Kimmel. He's dragging Jimmy Kimmel out there. Jimmy Kimmel's dead. He's a corpse. Weekend at Birdie style. And Will Arnett's like, oh my God, Jimmy, just, he had too many drinks. He just got, you know, you know, I don't want to tell you, but he just, that's it. So he played a corpse the entire time. The winner comes up there. I think it was from Abbott Elementary. I think it was the writer, actually. And she was like, oh, thanks so much, yeah. Jimmy. And that, that was the only point Kimmel gave a thumbs up. But he, that was the bit. The bit was he was a corpse. The internet didn't love this. But what I saw, I was watching Monday Night Football. I was in one of my back and forth. I was on football. I see RIP Jimmy Kimmel on yeah. Twitter. So I had like 30 seconds. I didn't know he was even involved in the Emmys. So I had 30 seconds of like, oh, my God, another celebrity's passed away. So I Google it. 
and then I see it's just Emmy stuff. But the internet not happy. The internet was uh, unhappy, thinking that he ruined that lady's moment by not like you got to give up on the bit. The bit's fine at one point, but he stayed laying down there for her entire speech. No, I, like I agree with the internet. I disagree with the internet. He stayed in care. That's the bit. You got to commit to the bit because Arnett does the whole right, thing. Right, but you are. But it's someone's moment. It's like a. It's a the much camera, less intense version of the Chris Rock thing. No, no, that's absurdity. The, the, the camera is waist up. Kimmel's not even in the shot. She walks up there. She shakes with Arnett's hand. He hands her the Emmy. Kimmel's yeah. standing there. She kind of has to like step over him to get to the microphone. Then that's it. He gives a thumbs up, and then the shot is wasted. Right. It's not like he's in the shot, and then it's like, oh my god, he's still dead. Just telling you, the internet, yeah, the streets that's, that's were ridiculous. talking. No, that 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 is absurdity. Um, awkward moment. Succession. This is the only thing, one of the few things I was happy about. Succession wins for supporting actor. I love Tom uh, McFadyen wins, and it's it's just such an indication of what a good actor he is because in the show, you know, he's this bumbling Midwesterner, and then you see him, he's just this handsome, wonderfully articulate Brit, and you go, well, that's acting. He's nothing like Tom in real life. Oh, thank you so much. The Succession, a wonderful film. Uh, best actor, as I mentioned, I wanted Cox or Strong to win. Doesn't win. They win for writing, which is awesome, and then they win for the best dramatic series, which is when my DirecTV went out because we had a little bit of rain here in Jersey. So I had to look this up after. Succession does win as expected. But he took a few shots at his home country, the United Kingdom. Big week for successions, he said. Referencing the death of Queen Elizabeth II. He did note that... Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I don't make that kind of joke. He did note that more people voted for succession in the Democratic Emmys than in the monarchy with Charles. I'm not saying we're more legitimate in our position than he is. We'll leave that to other people. I'm like, not sure if the British jokes are going over with this audience. And I just don't know in general it's a good joke. How did you feel about how the internet treated the death of the queen? Because I was, I didn't really know how it was going to go. Yeah. I thought people would be really sad, but it seemed like people in America are really quick to make jokes about the queen yeah, dying. People here are not big on imperialism and monarchy, but you're right, being Canadian. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I, I'm a big believer in it, but I was just surprised. Usually deaths, people are off limits. People at least give a few days on jokes for deaths. It was really quick to, for the internet to take, like, making jokes at the queen. I did expense. like the Reggie Jackson joke, which was great, because he, he immediately <laughs> tweeted, he goes, I've been exonerated. And and my, my buddy Ciccone texted me immediately. It was just a shot of Reggie Jackson from the Naked Gun saying, congrats, Reggie. Um, and, and somebody tweeted, if you're between the ages of 40 and 60, you should be laughing out loud. And I lost it. It was so funny. Um, so I did like the Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I don't get that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. People are probably making way too many jokes. I thought about doing The Queen this week on the old movies. It's a very good film starring Helen Mirren. People should go check it out. But I didn't feel like rewatching The Queen. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I think when people die, I mean, 96 years old. Again, Canadians, we're members of the Commonwealth. The Queen's on our money. My mom, a huge fan of The Queen. I talked to my dad on the weekend, and uh, my mom moved from Pakistan to England when she was 10. All her family is still in London. So I said, Dad, what are you doing? He goes, Mom and I are going to go down to Queen's Park. They're, they went to the government building in Toronto, and you could sign like a message of condolence. And I talked to my dad afterwards. Oh, no. I go, how long? He goes, it was insane how long it was. I go, really? He goes, my dad goes, each person went up there. They took five minutes. My mom went out. No, we just said, sorry for your loss. We love the queen. God bless. <sighs> because people were taking like five or ten minutes to write the message. It's unbelievable. Billy and I did a bit on this today on the Levitard show. It, uh, how, do you think people are going to be like, I feel bad because your parents did this, but like we were joking about, a letter of condolence I'm me. mocking the idea that people think somebody important is actually no, going to read this at some point. No, I think we all know that. <laughs> Nobody cares. But So what's the point of really? Let me just you, say it out loud. Pretty big effort too. My dad, like they, they live in the suburbs. My dad, you're going to take the sub, like an hour it's subway so down. You waited probably an hour in line. You signed a message for 10 seconds. Then went got like teriyaki. I'm like, okay. Like, what's the best case scenario? Like, who's the low-level person affiliated with, like, the royal family that might read it at I some point? I think the point? thought is you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. You just want to be a part of the gesture. You don't actually expect to get a message. So say it out loud. Oh, what, wanna, so I have to go yeah. wait in line to write it? Listen, it's not something I would do. I'm sorry. I, should, I, should, I feel, Jersey, 
This I felt much better about this bit when I was just doing it blanket to like random people. But now that I know your parents did it, I feel much worse about this bit. I, to be clear, I'm going to support my parents and my mom. Again, she grew up in England, right? She loves the Queen. But I, I do they listen? I, I do understand. No, they're not going to listen. My parents don't care. Okay, fine. You can like, keep making fun of it. Um, the other day, I, I messaged a picture with the U.S. Open now over. I went to the U.S. Open again on Wednesday. My agent hooked it up. It was great. So tw twice I went to the U.S. Open this year, and I was taking pictures of Federer. And somebody said, I wish someone was loved the way Roger Federer is loved by Adnan. So I thought of something that's a corollary. Nobody loves being fat more than Lizzo. Like she's just, just so embracing the fact she's fat. She goes up there and she says, you know, she wins for watch out for the big girls and says, when I was a little girl, all I wanted to see was me in the media. Someone fat like me, black like me, beautiful like me. And the crowd went wild. I, I, I want to start pulling that off. Like, I want to just get really fat. And go, hey, like, I'm just fat. I'm on MLB Network. I'm proud that I'm fat. Like, who's going to say anything about me? Do you think that's going to have any chance of success as a male if I start bragging about how fat I am? I think you should do that on base, on MLB Network your next time and just be like, out of nowhere, be like, I'm fat and I like it. <laughs> Watch this. I'm going to eat an entire chocolate cake. Look at me. I'm fat. Look how proud I am of being fat. Uncle Fatty over here. Oh, shit. I hit the wrong one. <laughs> I won the applause and I got the wrong one. Uh, Cody's got a new soundboard working out, which I'm loving. <laughs> We're testing it out. Listen, one guy I love is Kamel Nanjiani. Horrible bit. One of the worst bits of the night. They do this bartending, but I, I don't understand what the joke was. Damn it. I, it was, it's, I don't okay, need I'm scary sorry. music. Keenan Thompson goes over there and he's talking to Nanjiani and he's like a bad bartender. And then Sadekis is there and gets, again, another moment that Sadekis was not inspiring or anything good. Horrible. So, like, here's the thing. It fell, fell flat. flat. Here's the thing yeah, with the Emmys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that definitely worked. With the Emmys, give me a good monologue. Give me some good speeches. I like some good montages. I like seeing clips from the shows and the shows that I watch, the shows that I don't watch, what clips are they going to show. That's it. Uh, the DJ is okay. Like, it was kind of cool hearing Bruno Mars when somebody wins. Okay, sure. I'm um, you know, a little CNC Music Factory. That's fine. But I, I, uh, the other issue is this. Get it right. Okay, I once hosted the NHL draft at seven rounds. I made sure Polish names, Slavic names, Eastern European names, Russian names. I practiced every single name. If you can't say Mariska Hargate, you should not be the announcer. Coming up next, Chris Boney and Mariska Hagerty. I'm like, what the fuck? What are we doing? And I, again, I know it's not an easy name, but that's Mariska Hargate. I don't watch Law & Order. I would know how to know her name. She's been on the air for like 20 years here. Frustration. I think you should host. I think maybe you should announce. I think that's Remember what you're the getting Remember the time I here. hosted the Golden Globes? That was actually one of, one of the headings we wanted to be like, what? You hosted the Golden Globes? Like, I didn't listen to the episode, but I saw you host it. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Cinephile. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on the Emmys? I know you didn't watch a ton, but go ahead. No, I mean, I just, I saw that uh, Better Call Saul seemed to take some L's. Are they saving all their wins for the second, the second part of the final season? So, so, I mean, they're 0 for 46 coming into this year. I don't know how many nominations they have, but let's say it was 10. We're 0 for 56. I don't, I don't think they won. Like, it's crazy. I mean, the big one's obvious, like I said, Odenkirk losing, Ray Seahorn losing, one last chance next year. They don't win for writing. Writing, you know, they're going to lose. Succession, writing, amazing. Directing, they lost to Squid Game. And then the show loses to succession. Yeah. So, I don't know. Definitely frustrating on that end. But that's the Emmy Awards recap for you. That, that's all I got on that because I was uh, pissed off at the Broncos 60, for not covering my six and a half. Just, what an unbelievable <laughs> end of that. Terrible clock management by the Broncos. Good God. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's do the patient quickly. A psychotherapist who recently lost his wife finds himself held prisoner by a serial killer with an unusual request to curb his homicidal urges. Rather tasty little bit of casting here with Steve Carell playing Alan Strauss. He is the therapist. Ten episodes of the show on Hulu. I've seen three episodes so far. Good news is, nice and quick, 20-minute episodes, easy to digest. As our friend Billy has talked about previously with Only Murders in the Building, only get the episode once a week, but I don't mind that. I kind of like waiting once a week for the episodes, so new episodes now today, which I'll enjoy watching. I just find Steve Carell fascinating. This guy went from being so funny, uh, a comedy that you and I both love, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, oh, Kelly Clarkson, and now he just wants to be serious. Like He's like, no, he did Foxcatcher, Serious role. He's done the morning show, dramatic role. Now he's doing the patient. I'm going to play a therapist who's being held prisoner by a serial killer. No more jokes. Had my fun with Apatow. I don't want to be funny. I want to win an Emmy. I want to win an Oscar. I want to be serious. So, all right. Uh, nipple fuck. <laughs> you know when Carell is serious now because he always has the beard. Like before when he was, was clean shaven, he was funny, Steve Carell. Now with the beard, he's trying to have some gravitas, the white hair, the glasses. Uh, the show is okay so far. I would describe it as a slow burn, but unless it picks up, it's just going to be slow. Like, so far, he's just a therapist who's being held captive. It's one of these claustrophobic settings in one room. The serial killer is played by Dom Hall Gleason. So, Carell literally wakes up, chained to a bed one day. Okay, what's happening here? He's like, hey, sorry. Um, I need some help. And he's like, I, I, like, I'm your therapist. I'm willing to help you, but you've got to unlock me. What is going on? He's like, oh my God, that's the yeah. premise? Is his, th- like, one of his, one of his patients? patients? Oh my, okay. I'm intrigued. like, I'm intrigued. Because you need to help me. And he's like, I have been helping you with therapy. He goes, no, it's not working. He goes, you're going to help me? I need intense therapy. I've killed people. I'm going to kill again unless you help me. And he's like, I I can help you a lot better if I'm not locked up. Like, I need to get this chain off. I need to go use the bathroom. He's like, no, you're locked up. He's like, I'm sorry. I know it's not an ideal situation. I feel bad about that, but I I can't let you go. Then you're going to go to the cops and it's going to be an issue. So you have to help me and help me not kill any more people. And I got to go. And he just goes to work. He comes back. He's like, I'll come back. He's like, all right, let's talk. Oh, I got some Chinese food. You got to try these Szechuan noodles. And Carell's like, oh my God, what is this life that I'm living? And then he hears some noise upstairs. And a character comes down. This is two episodes in, so I'm not spoiling it yet. And you just find out who that character is. You go, oh my God, what is going on? This is getting weirder and weirder. So interesting premise for the show. But I hope hmm. it picks up a little bit. I hope Dom Hall Gleason has a little more of a spark. But good to see Carell trying out something different once again. Robert Levin of Newsday. Carell gives his best performance yet in The Patient, a compelling drama that's worth sticking with through all 10 episodes. Rachel Hull of ah. Exclaim. The languid pacing of The Patient, however, does ask for patience from its audience over its 10-episode run. That's what I would say. So far, there's not a whole lot going on. And Joyce Slayton of Common Sense Media, twisty, creepy drama focuses on a complicated therapeutic duo. Makes you think just about people's fascinations with true crimes, a serial killer. Were you ever like that? Did you read like Charles Manson's Helter Skelter? You were into serial killers, true crime stuff? No. I have not really got, ever gotten into that, but I have been thinking about getting into, like, you know, not that I have any major issues, just because I've heard it's good. I've been thinking about, like, getting, like, going to therapy. 
Just because I've heard, I've heard everyone should get like you know, I've heard I've read a lot of stuff about it. it's just good. So it's like I, I'm a little sketched out by therapy now that there's a murderer. No, but, I, but I'm not the therapist, so it's exactly. not that scary not for me. It's fine. But. The thing with therapy is, and I think Seinfeld has said this. He goes, I think it's good like in limited doses. Like God forbid you and I suffer a terrible loss of a parent or right. et cetera. He goes, you know, it, it's yeah. very very hard to deal with that. So if you talk to an objective person, they can help you deal with your feelings, get through that episode. But Seinfeld said he goes, that's yeah. it. He goes, I think you should use therapy for when you need it, but. I don't like having a weekly therapist because what happens is you go there and they're like, so what's going on? And you're like, honestly, I'm doing great. Things are really good. My wife's great. And yeah. they go, no, seriously, what's going on? And then they yeah, look at yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they look at you and you go, well, I, I, I guess I could make a little more money or I guess I could lose a little more weight. But I'm like, Lizzo, I'm fat. Right. I like myself. Mm, do you right. really like yourself? And you go, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> then they're like, I don't think you do, actually. You think you do, but you don't. <laughs> Let's talk and about I, it. I don't want to talk about it. I actually felt pretty good. And you walk, you should never walk out of the session feeling worse than you did. But I think if you, sometimes that has happened in my experience. But no, I mean, I think, I think if you're really tackling stuff, you might leave a lot of them feeling uh, yeah, cheap. Good point, actually. Yeah. If you suffer a major injury, you don't just, you know, repair your Achilles. It's going to be painful but, for a while, but eventually you get to a better place. To me, I do do therapy with like, a couple close yes. friends that I'll like I talk on the phone a lot with like I'll leave phone calls with friends and be like oh, feels good I just like I just talked to him about something that I hadn't really you know it could be about work personal but I just got to air it out to somebody and I feel like a similar relief that I imagine a good therapy session I feels feel the like. same way I definitely have a couple close friends that I can trust in that level like hey man just between us I need some help with this I'm like yeah right yeah. talk to them and you go oh that was great yeah but I, I'm with you you just feel good it does feel good just saying yes. stuff like even if you're just like just getting it yeah. out and I think part of that with therapy, what I've heard people say is the reason why they go to the therapist, they said, well, I feel bad because I'm monopolizing the time of those close to me. I don't always want to be calling my right. friend lamenting and complaining, but I need to have that right. outlet. So you know what? The therapist does that for me. And then my friend, I can do it once in a while, but I don't want to feel like, oh my God, I got to call Bruce again and bitch about my life. Like, right. Then they're looking at yeah. your phone and I'm like, oh God, I can't do I can't right now. I can't play therapist right now. And then exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I love you. I got too much other stuff going on right now. And all of a sudden you're left with a wonk wonk. But I'm, I'm new at this thing. There is, by the way, and also just so there is a therapist affiliated with DraftKings or Levitard Show. I used to when I did the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. We used to do promos for uh, Better Help. So I don't people. I don't um, it's it's not like something that's uh, like an advertiser, but I uh, with our Metal Arc does get like I, if I got therapy, it would be paid for. Okay, yeah, it's good to know. Uh, all right, so yeah. that is uh, the patient. Uh, what I really want to talk about though, of course, is when Harry met Sally. So me and Cody are going to dive into this right now. Again, we're going to prove, or I'm going to hope to prove. I don't know. Chris may disagree with me that that Harry, my man Billy, is a leading man and a romantic leading man. Harry and Sally have known each other for years and are very good friends. But they fear sex would ruin the friendship. It's directed by Rob Reiner, and it's written by Nora Ephron. Heavy hitters, right? Nora Ephron, uh, the late Nora Ephron, famed for her collaborations with Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, Harper with Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep, and When Harry Met Sally, which was a real success back in the summer of 1989. $16 million budget. It made like six times that. I, mean, I think over $90 million. And if you're of a certain age, you really appreciate that romantic comedy. Watching it again, I hadn't seen it in 30 years. I was struck by how strong it starts. You know, Sally, Meg Ryan's character, is picking up Harry, who is dating one of her friends, Billy by Billy Crystal, and they're taking a road trip from the Midwest over to New York. And right out of the gate, I mean, Crystal's throwing haymakers. He's eating grapes. He's, he's upsetting her. He's annoying her. And he's spitting out the grape, but he forgets to roll down the window. And his basic premise, and this is right out of the gate, just matter. He's like, a man and a woman can't be friends because a man always wants to have sex with a woman he finds her attractive. And she goes, so wait, they can be friends if the man doesn't find the woman attractive? And he goes, no, nah, you pretty much want to nail them too. And she, <laughs> and she says, well, what if the girl doesn't find the man attractive? He goes, it doesn't matter. It still is going to happen. 
And that's the basic premise of this. Can a man and woman be friends if the woman is attractive? I pose that question to Chris Cody. Um, I think they can. But I, I that that opening scene, he yeah, was funny. like he was just so like annoying. Like I, I get that's what he's going for of just like like Obnoxious, guy yeah. who's like who kills it with women. Like I don't care about you. I, I'm yeah. I, even though I'm just made. I was making out with my girlfriend and now I'm in the car instantly hitting on you. I mean it's like, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. But they're sitting there and he goes, he just stares at you because you're an attractive woman. Yeah. And she's like, thank you. He's like, no, seriously, objective. You're an attractive woman. She's like, are you coming on to me? Like, you're with my yeah. friend. He's like, so? Like, we're just hanging out right now. She's like, no, this is awful. Like, what kind of a, a scumbag would do this? But that's the charm of Billy Crystal's character when See, Harry met Sally. The charm which for you it, fell it, flat. It grew on This movie, like, I, that scene, honestly, originally I was having, I was going back to my thoughts. I'm like, I don't see Billy Crystal as this cocky. I'm not buying Billy Crystal as this cocky guy who crushes it with women. I mean, maybe, see, like, I'm, I, I just think it's a different, like, Paul Rudd, I think of, is fine as a leading man. Like, I, like, it's yes. just my, but he came up, I grew up with him as a leading man. So it's like one of those things where you you grew up with Billy Crystal as a leading man. So maybe like you're just in on him with that way where I look at him as more of the older guy. So it's hard for me to imagine him as the young heartthrob. Maybe that's what's going on there psychologically. But it, the movie did grow on me. By the end, I was, I was into it. I thought it was great writing, just good conversations. Cause it's a simple movie. It's really just a relationship movie. There's no like crazy scenes. It's just good writing, a good, interesting story. Kind of predictable, right? It's a rom-com. Like, yeah. you know where it's going, but I, I enjoyed the ride there. I, I don't, I don't have any negative, anything negative to say about it by the end of it i was kind of buying him as he got older because it was like they'd see each other five years Once he got the beer like his, the, the early scenes i was like eh, and then as he got older i was like okay now he's I, I just i was feeling it more but uh i i liked it man i thought it was a good movie i can see why it's a classic rom-com you know not a ton of like laugh out loud because you think rom-com it's not really a comedy i mean billy does this thing a few times but it's it's more just a romantic a movie about a relationship than a rom-com but i i get why it's in that genre I'm with you. That's a very good review. More romance than comedy. And as you said, they have an opening scene. They meet a few years later. She recognizes him. He doesn't recognize her. She's now in a relationship. He's getting married, but he's still kind of obnoxious. But they try to keep in touch a little bit. And then later on, they meet up. And once he's got the beard, you know, it's like sad Billy now. And like, oh, no, his girl has left him. And, you know, she's her relationship is over. And they kind of say, you want to just be friends? I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. And they, they hang out like as true friends. Like you said, familiar rom-com setup. You know, they're, they're setting up furniture there. He's lamenting his ex and much he misses her. You know, he goes into one store. It's like a radio shack. Whenever he starts singing with a karaoke machine, she's there. Incredibly awkward moment. He's going to meet her new boyfriend. God looks terrible, by the way. Bad yes. salad. Like, bad sweater. I'm like, that, that was a big come down that she went from Billy to that guy. Right? And that other couple, like, they're, they're friends. At one point, they're on a, a double date, but then, like, those two hit it off. Like, that guy with the must, like, that guy, that poor. No, 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 I love this. So, no, Bruce Bruno Kirby, it was the, by the way, the late Bruno Kirby and the late poor Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Fisher. Like they Leia. paired her with him. Like that's who they thought was like. I don't know. I just wasn't right. reading. Like you know, this guy. It could do better. Maybe it's like that. That's those mustaches were in then though. So maybe it is true. It's not a look you can pull off today, <laughs> certainly. And 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 you're right. Watching it now, you go that that definitely feels like an '80s and look. That, but they go out, and the whole concept is Meg Ryan goes, "No, I feel bad for Harry. I'm going to set up Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, attractive, short yeah. hair. She's having an affair with a married man. And then Crystal's going, I'll set up Bruno Kirby. He's a great writer, bad stash. I'm going to set him up with Meg Ryan. And if they go out to dinner, and there's no interest in the conversation, Meg Ryan insults one of Bruno Kirby's favorite writers. He's like, okay. And then she mentions an article. He goes, that was oh my me. God, I wrote that. Like she, she, yeah, that was me. And she goes, oh. and then they're going back, and, and she's asking... Yeah. 
permission of Meg, like, hey, do you mind if I go out with him? She said, yeah, but don't, don't do it right now. He's like, oh, of course. And then he asked Billy Crystal, he said, well, don't, don't yeah. ask her right now. Like, I mean, you know. They get into that cab so thing, fast. I'm going yeah, to get a cab. I'll join you. Boom. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're going to That one scene in the store that you referenced has, the, has a classic movie move where a couple of two people are talking and then one person yeah. says something and the whole place gets quiet. It's like, I have had a lot of good sex with people. And then the whole place is quiet. Everyone's looking. It's like such a classic movie move. It is definitely a trope. And you said earlier, you know, no really crazy funny scenes. Well, there's one scene everyone talks with when Harry met Sally, and that is the scene where Meg Ryan fakes it. And for the setup, Billy Crystal's talking about being with all these different women. Like he sounds like a guy who's like on Tinder or something long before it was. Like he's hooking up with women left and right. And she's like, wow. And he's like, oh, how do you know they have a good time? He's like, no, I know. And she's like, how do you know they're not faking? He's like, I would know. And she's like, really? Okay. And then boom, she goes in this huge orgasm. Unbelievable scene. The way she does it is, yes, yes. And, and by the way, Roger Ebert, who gave the movie a positive review, three stars, he goes, the only issue with that scene is I didn't find it realistic. And I'm like, really? You didn't think that a woman would be faking an orgasm? And I agree. That's not going to happen. It's I think movies. it's a great review. I thought the scene, I thought that she went on, it probably went on about yeah. seven or eight seconds too long. Like, I, I, for like the first four or five, people are looking, like she's not caring what other people think. I'm with it. But then it went on. Like, I actually love that review. I think, I think that scene could have been a little tighter. Yeah, that's interesting. Roger Ebert, he said, he goes, it's, it's very funny and memorable, but it just suspends... The comment at the end, like... Woman. By the way, who, and who gets credit for it? Nora Ephron, you mentioned, incredible script. Rob Reiner, brisk direction. Billy Crystal came up with the line, and that's Rob Reiner's mother who's sitting there, and Billy says she should say... I'll have what she's having. Now, is that... See, that's a classic movie line. Like, I've heard... That's one of... That's, that's yeah. such a classic movie line that I've heard that line said out in, yeah. in public before, but now I can put a... It's like, oh, that... As soon as yeah. she said it, I was like, oh, that's a classic... I've, I've heard that line before. I agree. That's always a fun moment. My friend of mine, Elijah, I guess they just re-released Jaws in theaters. He just went and saw Jaws on the big screen. And they're like, we're going to need a bigger boat. He's like, I've heard that line. Oh. Okay, it's from Jaws. Like, once you, well, once you, you just, know... You, you like, just learned me that that's, that's from... Rob Reiner, previous guest, I asked him about the famous orgasm scene. Take a listen to Rob's answer now. The famous uh, orgasm scene, which we shot at Katz's Deli. You know, my mother has the, 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 the famous line, I'll have what she's having. And you can go to Katz's Deli now and you can sit at the table where we shot. There's a sign that tells you. But Meg was very nervous about it because she, you know, you're in front of the, the crew and there's extras there and everything. And so the first couple of times she did it, it wasn't very, you know, she didn't do it full out. And I said, look, Meg, let me show you what I mean. And I sat down opposite Billy and I'm pounding the table screaming yes. And I realize I'm having an orgasm in front of another. So that was that was a little bit disconcerting. That's great. I mean, how good is Rob Ryder? The fact he's faking an orgasm from his mother. Like, you know Rob what? Call me naive. I don't think my wife's ever faked it. <laughs> now we should have that conversation. You know, that gets back to our wives. She wouldn't fake it. I'd be able to tell. Um, Ian Nathan of Empire Magazine. Efron's tart, grown-up script examines the inevitability of love finding a way despite the fight put up with this famous pair of snappy New Yorkers. I, I went back and read a bunch of reviews. They all kind of mentioned it found it felt like a Woody Allen movie. I'm like, I could see that. 92-minute movie. Um, all the characters are like super smart, very literate, clever. And like you said, there's not a lot of meat on the bone. It's a pretty straightforward story. They just meet, they argue, they bicker, they're friends, they fall in love. Like when they sleep together, like, oh my God, it was a mistake. They call their friends. How about that scene? That, that, that's yeah. 
yeah. an actual movie, classic movie thing. The split screen where she's calling one friend, he's calling his friend, all four on the same screen. Like, oh, it was a mistake. It didn't work out well. Uh, Keith Garlington and Keith in the movies. It's a story of two lost souls who put their faith in their own wrong views of love while a much easier answer may be right before them. That's a story yeah. I can get into. True. Sometimes love can be like, you know, deceptively easier than you think. The one thing I also love about the film, now watching it again, just the setting really makes New York feel like a character. The cover of it is Harry Met Sally. They got the beautiful setting in the fall of Central Park with the orange leaves. Uh, there's only one or two scenes, I think, where they're actually like walking among the leaves. But I remember watching the film going, wow, they really make New yeah. York in the fall a real character. And the end, of course, is sitting near Christmas. But it's it, to me, whenever I think now as we're entering into fall, I'm like, oh, New York fall movie when Harry Met Sally walk in the orange leaves. Very, very good. And also the soundtrack. I, mean, I love Harry Connick Jr. Right? He was like Michael Bublé before Michael Bublé. Handsome guy. Loves singing the old classics, the crooners. So he does It Had to Be You, which is on the uh, the credits. I remember I had the, I had the cassette tape. And early on, in fact, on that drive, you hear Louis Armstrong. And that, that great uh, classic song, uh, Let's Call the Whole Thing Up, him and Ella Fitzgerald, which is a great unit. I say tomato, you say tomato. I say potato, you say potato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing Dude, up. that was really good. <laughs> that was good. That was, I mean, that is just. I mean, how about, a, yeah, give me a. <laughs> you say either. I say either. You say neither. I say neither, either, either, neither, neither. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I could top that. I'm just gonna. Dude, that is really good. We just had our suey, so right? that limited fake is gonna have to wait a year. But that was good. Oh, there you go, oh, man. I was hoping I'd make the cut. Did my skipper make the it cut? Did, or no? It didn't win, but it was in there. Yeah. But yeah. It, yeah, it was yeah. in there. Okay, I gotta go back and listen to the suey. Okay, I'm I gonna think. Go back and listen to my I'm still not positive. I know it didn't win. <laughs> no, because you mentioned last week. You go. I think it's in there. I'm like, do you think or it's in there? And now you're saying you I still just, think. I just. I made some cuts. I honestly like. It's like a 22 minute limited fake. So like, I'd have to go back and file through it to make no for sure. But I, I, it, I, <laughs> it might have been cut. Because I tend to cut more things because it's like from a cinephile thing. Like, I, I'm more likely to cut something that's not from our main show. Okay, the good news and is... And I didn't want Skipper to get mad. <laughs> <laughs> that was the bigger reason. We don't want the boss mad. What if he hears Claire's impression? I'm like, what if he doesn't like that either? I'm like, oh, God. Bottom line is this. Uh, when Harry Met Sally is a fun movie. Wait, how would you get? Three Maple Leafs? Yeah, three. three. Solid good three. Good movie. Three. I was going to say, it's either a solid three, maybe three and a half, but it's, it's definitely not no. a four. Like, I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's a very good movie, and it definitely was a film. It's just its cool era. for me to, like, see a rom-com in a different era. Like, you know what I mean? I'm watching a movie, and it's like, you know, now we have Sarah Marshall, and, like, you know, all of the classic rom-coms that I've grown up with, and now it's it was just cool to, like... I feel like I was, I'm like, my cultural knowledge is expanded now because I've seen When Harry Met Sally. I mean, that's part of a weakness in me is not seeing a lot of these classic movies, but that, that was one of them. I felt like I was seeing a movie I need to see. Because you're a rom-com guy. Just figure with Bedazzled, yeah. Sarah Marshall, you'd appreciate something like this. I also like the scene, him and, and Bruno Kirby together, when they're at the game doing the wave, and he's telling the whole story of when his wife is leaving him, and he goes, the one guy's wearing a shirt, don't fuck with Mr. Yeah. Zero. No, that scene was good, the <laughs> way where he's like, they're talking. <laughs> And he's like, she knew this like a week in advance. She knew she was gonna break. My they they got the they got the rights to the real New York Giants. That's always a thing for me in movies. Like, does do you have the rights or do you not? Yeah, and unlike City Slickers, where Billy Crystal, the world's biggest Yankee fan, inexplicably wore a Mets hat, here in the movie, twice you see him wearing a New yeah. York Yankees hat. I don't know if I've told you, he came to ESPN once, he did the 6 p.m. Sports Center with Steve Levy, and I met him, and I pissed him off immediately. I just go, Billy, I'm a huge fan. I'm just curious, why in City Slickers are you wearing a Mets hat? He was like, fucking every day, somebody asked me a question. <laughs> 
I'm like, he's pissed. And he just goes, the reason why is uh, they gave a big donation to Comic Relief, which was my charitable organization. I'm like, I know, Robin Williams. He's like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, they gave me a big donation. I was like, I just wore the hat. <laughs> and I wanted to push back. I'm like, I just, I, you're the biggest Mets. I don't, oh, whatever, it's fine. So <laughs> that is a so decent to reason go, to, to wear the hat. But I tried to recover. I go, hey, Mr. Saturday Night, I love that movie. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. And like, yeah, Brennan's is like, dude, Billy Crystal does not like you. I'm like, hey, excellent. That question needed to be answered. All right, bottom line. I'm not going to put, I won't put in the title the only person that doesn't like Ad yeah, yeah, there you go. Why Billy Crystal hates my guts. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening to uh, this episode of Cinephile. As always, go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. I always love reading all of your feedback. Help us out there. Give us some love there. Uh, lots more coming down the pipe. It's actually my brother's birthday in the next week. So he loves Arnold Schwarzenegger. I feel like for an old movie next week, I should do an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Maybe I'll do that. I also have a terrific author coming up, Stephen Galloway. He's got a great book called Truly Madly, which is about the love affair of Lawrence Olivia and Vivian Lee. Fantastic book. And as far as new movies are concerned, you heard Claire Atkins mention before, she and I both love uh, Sam Rockwell. He's got a new film called See How They Run coming out in theaters this week. That's on the next episode of Cinephile. Until then, I'll see you at the movies. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.